Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dirtbags Worldwide, officially episode 24 of the Dirtbag Dugout podcast under vlogs. If you're watching on YouTube, as always, I'm your host, Tony Rivers, with me for this episode, as always, in eight weeks, uh, officially, officially in to award season, well, I should say past the award season, is December the 1st, so basically all eyes are focused on the upcoming winter meetings in the next week or so. Obviously, free agency is hot. You know, a lot of uh, acquisitions already being made. Still a lot of free agents on the chopping block or however you want to say that. A lot to still be hashed out. But as I said before, this episode is primarily dedicated to the awards. Now, there's a lot we got right. Uh, I guess we should just start off there. Obviously, Cy Young going to Sandy Alcantara and Justin Verlander, respectively. Um I guess I'll just run through their stats real quick and we can uh, we can just go from there. As far as Verlander's concerned, and I'm going to just read this uh, verbatim off my notes, 18 wins, a 1.75 ERA, uh, a whip of 0.83, uh, a BAA of 0.186, and an F-war of 6.1. Now for AL rankings among qualified starters, all in first, all five of those, all five of those categories, he's in first place. So basically, uh, while he wasn't, I believe he wasn't unanimous as his counterpart was first across the board, like we've been saying pretty much most of the season, just dominant. For Verlander to lead in all of those categories, that's just enough. That demonstrates why. He earned his third Cy Young with a, with a performance. Don't get me wrong. He wavered in the postseason. That's fine. Baseball is a long season. He got it done consistently to lead all of those categories. To be like no. Let's not forget age thirty nine. He said he wanted to play until he's forty five. So if this is arguably his best season. Staring at the face of 40, I mean, damn, that's that's reminiscent of, you know, some of the old dogs, you know, in the 90s that were thinking of like, yeah, these dudes were dominant well into their late 30s, early 40s. So if he's in that type of echelon where, again, arguably his best season going into his latter years or the latter half of his career, whatever you want to say, man, that's got to that's got to strike some fear into the American League for sure. However, I will say, um, obviously, we wanted to say this for the next episode or two, uh, did opt out of his contract. So I think it it should be said that having this type of performance, obviously, throughout the season, kind of shy away, like you said, shy away from the World Series, but his overall season-long performance to be first among all starters in all those pretty great categories, what a feather in, in his cap for him to walk into any office and be like, hey, I want to play for at least another five five or six years, give or take. You could probably have me for three or four of those years, and I'm going to want mega bucks. Like, It's not so much that I just want mega bucks. It's that staring into the end of my career, I am putting on dominant performances. I'm putting on better performances then you can draft for. Mm-hmm. You cannot draft enough prospects to backfill 
what I do, the, the work that Verlander brings, the experience, he's going to get paid. Don't get me wrong. But I really think that this such a such a high moment at, at 39, staring 40 in the face, mm-hmm. it's it's a signpost that he has the capability to do just that, play to age 45 and play well. It's at that point, it's how healthy do I stay? You know, it, your off season regimen, everything comes into it, like, don't get me wrong. Like, he's a professional ball player. Now he understands the dedication it takes, but it, you have to get on that. Tom Brady level of neurotic, uh, my I'm counting my macros daily, my hypernutrition. You go into the the next echelon of body care because that's what it takes. Yeah, the, the kind of reminiscent of uh, even LeBron James back in the early heat days, you know, 10 years ago, where you heard about him doing the cryotherapy, you know, and he was still late 20 you know he still was in his prime but still doing everything that he could to elongate his prime years or to help stave off you know late 30s especially the toll of of however long this you know an nba season is same same basic concept like just trying to maximize my max potential for as long as i can oh also uh, i should point out coming off his, you know, Tommy John surgery, I want to say roughly, what, two, three years ago, where it wasn't a guarantee that he would even have half of the performance that he did this year, that he would even, you know, you, you still figure you'll still be a great pitcher, still be very serviceable. But, you know, if you're thinking two, even three years back, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure when his surgery was, but even thinking abstractly like you're not sure if you can even bounce back from that and especially at that age you know you're just hoping to be serviceable you're, you're not even thinking about oh i'm gonna dominate and be first at everything and i'm i'm just gonna be the clear-cut favorite like that i mean this is still very much a young man's game as much as we have those outliers and those legends that do it well into their 40s this is still very much a young man's game so I think it it should also be uh, a point to be made that, hey, this is also coming off an injury, a career-ending type injury, debilitating, however you want to say, and to bounce back in such a fashion, man, the world is basically in the palm of his hands when, in, during this free agency. I, that, I couldn't have said it any better myself, but I'm really glad that you bring up his Tommy Johns when he had it. And just what a, a question mark that puts on a pitcher's career and the, the potential for uh, viable returns is such a small percentage. That's a small window. You know, so just, of course, you know, tip of the cap to Verlander for all the work he did. Uh, and Alcantara pulling down uh, a unanimous mm-hmm. down unanimously voted Cy Young. All right, so yeah, he had uh, he led the majors uh, with 228 and two-third mm-hmm. innings. Yes. 
also had six complete games, the most I believe by a starter since I want to say 2016 is what I saw. Um, I also have his other stats, 2.28 ERA, just hit second, but was leading the National League in ERA just until that last little bit where he kind of got mashed up, but was basically like about around the same as, as Verlander, I want to say like that one and a half sub 2.0 and even a 2.28, that's not bad at all. Obviously the complete games, uh, fourth and K's at 207. So plus 200, you know, 200 plus strikeout year F war of 5.7. I think it says he's third overall. So basically if he's not one, he's basically two, you know, whether or not you want to make a debate for that, but just the, the longevity, the serviceability, the amount of like, basically the amount of innings and the amount of strikeouts, you know, that consistency, you're not getting helped out by that. I mean, sad to say, you're not really getting helped out by that Marlins bullpen as much. You're putting it all on your back. You're getting it done. Obviously the complete games are, are very evident of that. You know, you're basically putting the team on your back. And that's why I think it's unanimous. Mm -hmm. Because he is throwing this well for Miami. Uh, A beleaguered team. Yes. It's not a a knock. It's just a, a, a raw observation about... Uh, the Marlins as a, an organization right now. And can I throw out a quick stat? I know I, this kind of bleeds into free agency, but as far as lowest payrolls in MLB, they're fifth lowest. So it's at the A, I'm just going to go out. I'm, I'm probably going to revisit this. I'm going to make sure to save this note. A's with 61 million, Orioles with 65 million, Guardians with 82 million, Pirates with 85, and Marlins with 96. So you're getting this type of production from a dude when your entire payroll is less than a hundred million altogether, just across the board. So I know that obviously they have them under contract, you know, but that's going to kind of be a, a little bit of an eye raiser towards, you know, where he might land if he decides to leave Miami, you know, depending on what they decide to do this off season. Exploring or what kind of trade pieces, what kind of prospects, you know, it's definitely something where he is high value. If you're Alcantara, you want to explore leaving. You, you hate to do Miami and the Marlins dirt like that after just bringing home the organization's first Cy Young. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like. But what do you do at the same time? I mean, do you just sit there and waste away? I mean, I know, uh, I'm not going to say they're, they're, stagnant and obviously we have to see how the rest of free agency plays out but i mean i don't really see them making leaps and bounds you know as compared to maybe a few other teams like i could probably see i guess i'll just throw it out like i could see maybe the cubs doing more and i've heard talks about like cubs kind of going after they're kind of a dark horse for carlos correa like i could see that like where you have some names tied to you or at least rumors even if they're just rumors I can see other teams in the National League that have, I don't want to say, I don't want to say more room to grow in that way, but you can see, you can see the trajectory moving a certain way more for other teams than you would Miami. Now, I don't know if that's obviously the, the drama with Derek Jeter leaving, you know, the last year or two, 
I don't know if that's where you need another culture shift, but I think they're, they have more room to make up. And I think that they have to get their affairs in order before you, you start to see those dividends. And it's going to be unfortunate because you have a player like Sandy Alcantara where you like, if I'm him, I don't want to be in the crossfire of that, you know, just kind of being stuck while you figure out where we're going. Meanwhile, I'm doing, again, doing everything to put this team on my back, secure these extra W's and at least make us competitive, even if it's not a playoff year, but I'm also not going to be wasting away either. The best case scenario is if Alcantara has bought in to Miami's vision is he has to trust that the Miami front office is going to put some sort of offensive capability or offensive consistency in the lineup that's going to give enough defensive support his Cy Young to now put Miami in an upward playoff winning trajectory. Absolutely. If, if they start, if they put offensive pieces that play a little bit of D around him and uh, maybe, maybe a nice, uh, a consistent reliever, a guy, a uh, save in the bullpen, you know, just a sure up arm. Miami very well could be a 23 competitor if they make the right offseason moves. Yeah. Yeah. This free agency, there's a lot too on, on the board. There is so much. I know we talked about it a few weeks ago. There was so much, you know, the table is set. It's basically like, you know, a week ago, Thanksgiving, you got all the sides, you got the turkey, you got the ham, you got the goose, you got the mashed potato. There's so much for each team to be able to dig in. If one thing is not your preference, there's more than enough on the table for you to pick and choose something that while you may not fill your whole plate with everything you want, fine. Just take a muffin, take a, take a cornbread, take a, take a leg, take a something, you know, just something, something that progresses you forward. So absolutely. I am in total agreement with that. Just something to at least even not, not even saying placating him, but just signaling that, Hey, we are forward-minded. We are trying to do something. We're not just trying to, you know, we signed you for the, on the cheap and we're just going to ride this horse until you eventually leave. Like we are trying to do something. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to free agency more than anything, just for that notion. Like, okay, well, that's obviously going to be indicative. What teams are, you know, mindful of that, what teams are kind of selling it, you know, before even 23 starts, like there's a lot on the table. There's so much on the table. Um, so moving on, I guess, the biggest, biggest free agency kind of ties into obviously the awards would be the AL MVP, none other than Aaron Judge. We called it this dude, uh, kind of again, kind of disappeared. But I mean, the rest of the Yankees organization kind of did disappear as well. Can't really put it on one dude, especially when you're that kind of historic franchise. Uh, yeah. You, you, you have to look at Judge's. 62 home runs, breaking Roger Maris's 61. Mm-hmm. He had a historic season. I mean, we're talking he uh, a major league leading 101, 131 RBIs. All right. First and uh, barely second in batting average with 311, had a 300 plus batting average. So, as much as people try to say, oh, well, he's only a, a home run hitter. A uh, dude can hit for average, 
obviously those RBI, he also gets dudes across home plate. So he yep. makes, he's definitely an off, not just in, you know, one dimensional offensive tool, but like that, he's an offensive tool, multi-tool. He can get you, he can hit the long ball. He can hit for average. He can hit, you know, for cleanup and get other dudes across the board. Uh, first, basically, aside from just the batting average, like you said, home runs, RBI is 131, OPS 1.111, like an 11.4 F war, like a, a 10 plus war. Like how, how, how else, who else is going to, especially with all those other, much how we were saying with Justin Verlander, kind of on the offensive side, how are you going to be able to replicate that, especially in one player? You can't, but how, how do you supplement that with one or two or even three different players? However, you know, wherever you fit them in the line, you can't. And these numbers represent why he was able to edge out Otani. Mm -hmm. Everyone, you know, said this was going to come down to a neck and neck MVP race. Don't get me wrong. Otani is doing MVP caliber things. Judge had a more historic and I think a numerically better year. I would agree. that's just what it comes down to. And that's, I think, what edged him out over you know, over Otani for the uh, league MVP. He did improve his average overall, kind of speaking on Otani, but he was still only, I think he was still sub 300. La- the last numbers I had, this was a while back, he went from 250 to about 275. Uh, his OPS kind of dropped it went from 0.965 to about 0.88. So, I mean, it wasn't a huge drop-off. Obviously got a little bit better average, got a little more disciplined at the plate. Uh, got better as a pitcher more than anything. 15 and 8 as opposed to his 9 and 2 start in 21. Uh, 2.3 ERA as opposed to a 3.1. So definitely improved more as a pitcher. Um, K, his case through 9 was 10.8 in 21. It was 11.9 this year. So... And let's see, as far as a batter, uh, WRC plus of 151 last year, 145 this year. So kind of stayed somewhat consistent batting, obviously kind of improved the, the average, but definitely locked, locked in more, honed in more as a pitcher. So I think not to knock him, but his focus was more on pitching for this year. And I would also argue, okay, well, if Judge was in the National League, then yeah, maybe it would go to Otani for that. But like much like you said, yep. Aaron Judge having a completely historic like this is record books, not just historic like everybody loves to throw around. Like even Otani does throw out historic numbers, does make history. But Aaron Judge just across the board too much. He just did way too much. You know, another guy who did way too much was Paul Goldschmidt. Yes, I know we called that. <laughs> Wow. Talk about a guy literally puts the organization on his back with Albert Pujols and says, I'm going to bat 317. I'm not going to hit more than 40. I think he hits 35, 36 home runs, but he does slap in 115 RBIs. Mm -hmm. Cardinals end up taking uh, the central. 
Yeah. They win the division if it's without Schmidt, without Goldschmidt. Yeah. His performance, that that resurgent consistency. Absolutely. Yeah. Chips. Oh, we've been talking. We were talking about that even in the beginning, even midway through the season, when he was the the favorite in freaking June. Like, yes, it's the consistency. That was the one word that we kept going back to was the consistency that he brought. He wasn't too high. He wasn't too low. Obviously, a 317 batting average, that means consistency. You look at, like, that's third overall. I mean, but just across the board, 178 hits, third overall. Slugging of five, yeah, 0.578. OPS of 0.982, 7.1 war. So if he's not first, has him at third on the other two. But like I said, if he's if he's not one, he's two. But there is just so many, I don't even want to say I'm minute like that, but there's just so many things that he consistently brought to the plate and did so much, not only for himself, not only as an, you know, just an individual baller. But as basically the, if you want to say lightning rod for the Cardinals, that spark plug, whatever you want to say, he was that dude. Lightning rod, Tony, you hit it right on the head in the fact that he energized an entire organization into an October push. Mm -hmm. That's proof alone that one man can make an entire impact on the what is it 50, uh, 26 20 how many guys are on the full roster i, I think it's yeah. 25 well they do 40 but i think it's 25 yeah you know like everybody suited up for the day so yeah. literally he has the ability to every single day get those guys around yeah just with his performances absolutely you got all those gold glovers and you know silver sluggers and that's the dude that stands out that's and there, there are a lot of good golden lovers this year. Mm-hmm. 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 Goldschmidt topped them, man. He genuinely he stood above the rest of the National League. Yeah, like I was saying, we we were noticing it even even mid season that that consistency was what was going to be the catalyst for not only that you know individual award talk, but just what that club needed and obviously they i don't want to say they flew under the radar because everybody was obviously present company included was shocked when the phillies beat them outright they looked good and obviously it was due to his bat providing that spark to the rest of the lineup so i'm actually excited to see what the cardinals i know i said it a couple of weeks ago but i'm excited to see now with the departure of pool holes you can kind of call somebody else up um and just, I don't know, kind of reconfigured, kind of small tweaks here or there, but I'm really excited to see what, what they, uh, how they bounce back from that. Now, speaking of bounce back, two comeback players of the year, Albert Pujols of said St. Louis Cardinals, and obviously Justin Verlander. So what, what a prestigious award, the kind of, again, rem, reminiscent of what we were just saying, the fact that you can bounce back dominate the league and and completely put on a historic comeback performance comeback year like crazy all-star Cy Young comeback player of the year amazing 
And I think we get it. I think they got it right there in the fact that both Verlander and Pujols represented um, veteran comebacks. Uh, they they demonstrated that you can go through uh, a slump and just get the the tar nailed out of you in the media and uh, every single day and still show up and have incredible. You can put it. You can put a whole team on your back if you're a versatile. You throw your team right into the World Series. And if you're pools, you ride Goldschmidt's lightning right into excellence. Yeah. It would so I think that uh when we talk about comeback narratives, it's wonderful to recognize what both Verlander as a pitcher and Pujols as a position catcher just did. Uh, because they did they represented comebacks. Yeah, absolutely. To be two veteran names, too, not just, you know, some dude in the middle of the career or the first third kind of having a down year and then he just had a great year. It's like, no, these are two veteran names that you know and love in the game of baseball. So absolutely, absolutely. Kind of, I guess, good segue, I guess. We should also get into the Silver Sluggers if you want. Um, But I also have, well, actually, I have managers of the year. Do you want to just do that for a second? Yeah, we'll get. I mean, that was what uh, I have it down as Frank, uh, Terry Franconia winning his third, and then uh, Buck Showalter with the Mets, right? Yep. And I believe he, what does he have number four? Is that his fourth overall, Buck? Um, I know I saw something where he's done it in four different decades or something like that. Something like that. He's only he's the only manager to do it in like four different decades or something, something of that nature. No, okay, here we go. I've got it right here. Uh, Showalter becomes the first skipper to win manager of the year with four different organizations. That's what it is. I was about to say is like, I don't think he's been that long. I, was like, I know he's been he's been around for a hot minute, but I didn't think it was it was for four decades. But yeah, no, right there are four different clubs though, like. That just lets you know it's not it's not a fluke as in like, oh, well, they just put them like, you know, people are trying to discount Dusty Baker. Like, oh, well, yeah, you just put him in in a plug and play. And he of course he can win because like we said, you know, two pods ago, like, well, no, he obviously lost the first time he went up to the series with the Astros and they arguably had a, you know, a little bit better lineup. So yeah. it's not, you know, just because you're plugged into a certain system doesn't automatically guarantee success i'm looking at joe torrey with the dodgers you know if you if you're reminiscent of mid 2000s early you know early 2010s oh yeah mid 2000s if you're mid 2010s you know early 2010s where he had arguably a pretty damn good lineup then and still couldn't get it done you know it's it doesn't automatically mean success yeah you can have success for the regular season but you know other teams have their other things so to be to be on that side of history, four different clubs that lets you know that he's a damn good skipper. If you didn't already know or didn't already think so, this kind of lets you know. And I guess the Mets need to understand how thankful they should be to show Walter. Uh, the Mets have never had a skipper bring this award home. 
it's his first season too as as the skipper it's not he immediately put his fingerprints on it obviously with the new ownership too or well i guess now continuous ownership in, in that regard um they like i said he put his fingerprints on it and you saw the dividends obviously 100 plus wins everybody was discounting them i mean obviously our the fan grips is it zip uh projections had him at 85 so you know and they obviously crushed that i mean obviously it fell short but to be your first year as a manager will your team or you know manage your team well enough to get 100 plus wins i mean you can't say enough good things you know you got a good guy in your hands and they they definitely should double down i mean i'm not saying hey give him a 10-year contract but you got to ride that until the wheels fall off basically you if you're the Mets organization or if you're the Mets fan base, you know you have a skipper who is reliable and you have someone that you want at the helm. Now, when we look at uh, Terry Franconia in uh, Cleveland with the Guardians, um, this is his third in the last 10 seasons. Um Terry Franconia showing up in Cleveland might have been the best thing that ever happened to the organization because of how competitive he has forced the Guardians, you know, the former Indians to be. Because, I mean, think about it. Uh, postseason relevance, like that's new to Cleveland. But because before they were just a team that, all right, we're going to roll in, we're going to sweep you, and we're going to roll out of town. And that was every single – that was day in and day out – for Cleveland for a very long time. So it's really interesting to see a, a stalwart of the game, a, 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 a fucking an anchor for the team. You, you can clearly see that it's the best out of the organization, and he knows how to get the best out of the players. Yeah, to be a 90, 90 win team at least, you know, to, to look at least. I don't want to say comparable to the Yankees, but at least to have a, a fighting chance, you know, to at least look like you belong in the postseason is something that shouldn't shouldn't be taken for granted. It shouldn't uh, it shouldn't be overlooked at the very least. So definitely well earned. A lot of a lot of teams in the American League, you know, wouldn't have fared as well against the Yankees, even though they took it in what five or six, I want to say, but didn't, didn't look like they could hold a candle. Obviously the favorites were either the Astros or the Yankees. So for them to not only, you know, it's not even like, Oh, they just scraped in with 80 wins and this, that just cause, just cause the, the division's crap and they just walked in and blah, blah. I'm like, no, they earned those 90 wins and they're obviously going to, get better it's not like they're they're stagnant like they were in years past you know they've obviously have moved on from 2016 you know at the at the hands of the cubs but you know to have and again to mention that all basically all rookie team those young guns now they have that experience and now they're going to move forward so it's 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 only going to get better from here i would like to think for for cleveland So I guess as we round out, we got the rookies. Yeah. 
you know, we kind of saw the uh, outfielder Julio Rodriguez from Seattle. He emerged as a front runner for the rookie of the year race early, and he kind of commanded it. Um, he finished with 28 home runs, uh, BWAR of 6.0, and FWAR of 5.3, OPS of uh, 0.854, uh, total bases of 260. Those are great stats for a rookie. 284 average, 145 hits, almost eclipsing a, a buck 50 and just scraping underneath a 300. Uh, for a rookie, you can see why the Mariners threw the bag at him, wanted to lock him up long-term. Uh, same with our other rookie on the National League side, Michael Harris II. Locked him up for eight years as well. I believe he was first across the board, batting average of 297, barely scraping to 300, 123 hits, uh, 19 home runs. I believe he was tied for first with that OPS of 0.853 and F4 of 4.8. So pretty damn good numbers from both of the rookies. Like th these dudes are looking like seasoned vets, the way, the way they presented themselves. I mean, obviously you can clean up some stuff and you can only get better, you know, nobody's perfect, but to be your first full fledged season into, you know, a man's league into a man's game and to establish yourself as yes, I belong here. I'm not going to look all bright eyed and bushy tailed and, yeah, uh, do I choke up? Oh, I forgot how to hit. Uh, like, no, they look, yeah, exactly. That surprise, scared, also kind of looking like you pooped your pants look. Like, no, they looked like they were ready to go, and they showed up for both of their clubs. I like that Atlanta made the decision to lock up Michael Harris II, bro, uh, give him a contract that says, hey, we believe in you. Please buy into our organization. Yeah. You know, they have they have their core. They're still not, I guess, if you want to look at a timeline, they're still very much in the middle. They still have a lot more of this current core before it gets to the tail end or, you know, you start seeing trading, trading offs and this and that or opting out, whatever, this or that. So they're very much still at the the white hot part of, you know, of the flame, if you will. They're very much in that middle part. So they're already thinking of, okay, well, when that does come to pass, we already have, or we're already starting to get our other integral pieces. Obviously, Spencer Strider, I believe they, I want to say they extended him for like five years or something. Another rookie pitcher who also dominated would have been a great, a great, you know, pick for rookie of the year as well. So you know that they're already mindful of, cool, this is where we are, and we're very mindful of where we want to go. So hats off to them. Absolutely hats off to them. Same with, I mean, you could say the same with Seattle. Locking up Julio Rodriguez, obviously extending Luis Castillo, you know, making certain moves like, yes, we know where we are. We know our identity. We know where we want to go. We finally got the monkey off our back. And now let's, you know, now that we have enough rest enough, now we can focus on what really matters. And that's, it, you know, making a continuous postseason push every single year. And you know, eventually lifting the commissioner's trophy, you know, whenever, whenever that is. That uh, you know, I think that's the hope that you know Seattle is kind of uh, put on you know that youngster's back. Uh, I think Julio Rodriguez is going to be. We're going to find out if he's capable or not. Which I will say, they have currently. I mean, we'll get into it another episode, but 
the last that I saw for 23 World Series winners, uh, they have Mariners at plus 18, now 1800. Now there's about eight other teams. We'll get into it in another episode, but to be at least within top 10 probable, you know, if you're just under the, like, for example, Cardinals are plus 2000. So to be within that, you know, Dodgers at top, you know, just between that frame, that's, that's a pretty good spot to be in at least, you know, this early or this late into the, you know, the previous season kind of heading into obviously free agency. We don't know where people are going to land. So the numbers may change, but that's a pretty good spot to be in considering, you know, a month ago we were, you know, we were finishing up the world series. So, uh, so I guess to finish it up, I'll just go over the silver sluggers real quick and then I guess we can wrap it up. So, Obviously, we have Paul Goldschmidt, first base. Second base, we have Jeff McNeil. The I believe he was the the battle title, batting title winner for uh, the average. I want to say this past year, something like that. Yeah, I think it was Jeff McNeil got got had the best average. Um, followed by Nolan Arenado, third base, of course. I believe he also got a platinum glove out of that this year. I need to double check that, but I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, we have Trey You're Turner. Correct. We have Mookie Bell. Nolan Arenado pulled the platinum glove out. Yeah, of course he did. I'm saying that the Cardinals Cardinals lineup, man, you better watch out for him. Uh, let's see. I said Mookie Bell. So we have Kyle Schwarber, uh, Juan Soto, JT Remuto, Josh Bell, and Brandon Drury. So consistent bats, consistent hits, hitting for power, hitting for average, hitting for whatever names you you definitely if you're going to be playing fantasy next year pretty sure any one of these names would probably do you probably do you pretty good probably might want to keep them on your radar now uh for the american league uh we have nathaniel lowe jose altuve jose ramirez xander bogarts aaron judge julio rodriguez mike trout alejandro kirk jordan alvarez and luis Arez. so again yeah. Both lists of silver sluggers that all those are all solid. I, I have no yeah. I have no problem. I have no problem with this. Yeah. No I could have made a case for Jordan Alvarez if Aaron Judge wasn't there. The same same deal. He, dude mashed. I mean, you say the same deal. Mike Trout is always is always a, a good. I know Jose Ramirez for a minute had had some had some nods. Like he could, you know, he could squeak in. Obviously, like uh, National League, everybody was kind of looking at obviously Nolan. If it wasn't Paul, uh, even Kyle Schwarber got some nods. Mookie Betts had, you know, a lot of these names. So I'm not, I'm not mad at that. So good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, that that about does it for this episode. Um, we'll be bringing up more news as it comes up. Looks forward, look forward to episode 25. And uh, yeah, we'll get there whenever we get there. So as always, appreciate you listening, watching, and until next time. Stay tuned, dirtbags. bags.